Hi, my name is Jason Joe, a medical student from the University of Toronto. And I'm Dr. David Chu, a family doctor in Toronto, Ontario. And you're listening to What's Up Docs, a podcast where we share stories about our lives in medicine. Welcome aboard. I think that's a good way for us to lead into the second half of our discussion, because we wanted to talk a little bit more about Jason's surgery rotations and about you know, what he's experienced about the hierarchy of, of the medical world and specifically the hierarchy of the surgical world, where Jason, as the third or fourth year clerk, <laughs> yeah. is the lowest rung yeah. on yeah. the totem pole. Yeah, that was my right? original intention. And kind of transitioning to the second part of the show and kind of hearing Dr. Chan talk about his story, like, I feel like the, the things I, I even wrote down that, you know, kind of bothered me maybe a week or two ago, like, you know, my man, it's just let it go like damn that that was no, really I, inspiring no, no, I, 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 it's, it, but you know it's tricky because you know like i mean we, we don't have train like the same hierarchy in the sense that like you know on general surgery you got teams right so you have the medical student of course the junior resident has a senior then there's a fellow then there's the attending i mean there's just fewer bodies right uh mm-hmm. it, it just based on mm-hmm. on the structure of our training program right so you know the um i i, I mean I, I i get the hierarchy you know people are always very respectful right so so, but it, it's a different environment, I think, that I function in. You know, our trainees are, are providing a service, they're covering call, they're helping us do things. You know, it's one of my jobs to help them learn the trade, right? So, like time, you're never going to get time back, right? So, mm. you also don't want to make sure that they're wasting their time, that they're going to put in a bunch of years and they're going to leave, you know, hating you because they couldn't do it. But again, you know, I in all spheres of my life, like it's not trained to teach right like you're, you're mm-hmm. trained to kind of do the job uh and then uh find a way that you can teach within your abilities right so that, that's a tr- that's a tricky one mm-hmm. i would say like having five or six months uh this year because we were off during the pandemic gave me a lot of personal time to reflect and kind of do things that i want to do right and it made me realize the value of kind of personal health and time and it was it was such a culture shock I would say, to kind of go back into the clinical environment. You know, even though we did about half a year of clerkship already, but kind of transitioning back to clerkship, you're you're in this giant storm of, you know, expectations and schedules and things like that. It quite be very overwhelming. And, and I felt like the days on surgery at, at times, and, you know, you, you kind of just feel invisible sometimes. I know people like the residents and the staffer are, are really trying their best, right? And there's so many different pressures on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like a lot of this like hidden curriculum or like, you know, for someone who's who's a little bit dense, more dense like me, like sometimes you don't see this stuff. Right. (laughs) Even for example. Right. Like I always hear people say, you know, as the most junior person, you should like always show up first and you should do this pre rounding. Like uh, Dr. Chen, I don't know if this is something that you heard people say and you kind of just like did it. Uh, But even when people told me that, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. So. (laughs) I just felt like surgery was a just out of my expectations. I, I feel like I learned a lot about myself and kind of how I react to different environments. But I would say that like overall, like I found myself often like kind of questioning <laughs> why I was there. Um, let's say, you know, there's there could be like an eight hour surgery or a 10 hour surgery. You would just stand there, right? Mm-hmm. Like not like, and you would just look at the anatomy, mm-hmm. and and you know, after one hour and look at the same spot, like everything kind of seems mm-hmm. the same, mm-hmm. right? And the technical stuff, 
like people are not it's not like a narration、mm-hmm. where people tell you okay now I'm gonna do this and the way I'm doing this is because of X Y and、mm-hmm. Z and instead of going left I'm going right because of this right um you know it's just like you you you're you're mostly standing there kind of in silence. And、uh, you know, watching someone else do、mm-hmm. do like you know, arguably amazing work, but something that like you could not really appreciate at your level, right? You know, I I think that was particularly、uh, tough, and especially you kind of add in the long hours and and、mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of physical fatigue, and and you kind of wonder, right? You know, it doesn't feel like you're contributing. It also doesn't feel like you're learning, yeah, like learning、mm-hmm. that much, right? And so. I don't know if you ever felt like that during your kind of like surgical rotation. It's it's interesting you, you say this because you know the like I can tell you like now、uh, as an attending,、uh, I for instance dissuade people from pre-rounding.、Um, usually, what I say is like I'm doing the stuff anyways. If you want to see the patient, come see him with me.、Uh, That's a trap. For all those people listening, if he says don't、that's、do it, still do it. <laughs> no, actually, it's funny you say this because one of my residents actually thought it was a trap, right? So it was like, so, so, but what, but what I would say is that,、um, and, and even the the standing in surgery, I I try to limit the number of people that are standing around, right? Because I actually think it's an infection risk as well. So you know, if there's something you can't see, like you know, I, I send people away. But I I understand exactly what you're saying. I don't have an answer to that. I would say that the、um, I viewed it as a social experiment. You know, for for all my electives I did in cardiac, for 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 those surgical rotations, which were many actually, I considered to be、um, like I was there not to learn medicine. I was there to learn this team、mm. and then to understand this culture. So, a hundred percent. Like, have I stood for eight, nine, ten hours,、uh, wanting to, you know, leave,、uh, being a fifth assist to a case,、uh, not being able to see? Yeah,、uh, many of those. I remember、um, not seeing anything for 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 really a long time.、Mm. Uh, but I kind of took it as, you, you know, at that time, you know, obviously,、uh, I wanted to to be part of that community. You look at it like, first of all, like, can you survive this?、Um, is is this something that you would be able to do, right? And and the thing is that you you don't know what the job is, right? So so even as a as a resident, you get a hint of what the job is, but it's very different than what an attending would do, actually, right? So the the like at that time, I was trying to gather data as to what life would be like in that profession. So for me, like yes, like I, I would stay being fifth assist because it's like well. It could be very much my reality that I will be spending many hours in a day doing things that I don't understand, whatever. So I would stand there, not eating, drinking, wanting to to use the facilities, and just holding it because I just thought that that's what I came for to learn and to see how the people interacted. Right. So it's not high yield for sure, especially、uh, with the cadence of what society is now. Like it's it's for sure not what a lot of people will consider to be good learning, and it's not. It allowed me to kind of understand those people, you know. For brief periods of time, it's okay. Like you know, you may you have an interest in hospital administration one day, right? Like you may, or you may one for parliament one day, and then you'll think, wow, like you know, you have these team structures where people function in this way. What are some themes you can learn from that? I mean, it's very tangential learning. I'm not advocating you know people suffering like this. I 100% agree with you. It's not medical learning. It's a social experiment. I mean, when you say that, it kind of reminds me of. Something that my uncle used to tell me. My uncle is not in medicine, but he's one of the hardest working people I know. And one of his things was he immigrated 
from Taiwan to North America to the United States in the 1970s as a graduate student. And then once he showed up here, he had to he just worked.、Mm -hmm. Yeah,、right? and it sounds trite, you know, the immigrants work hard and you have to work super hard just to accomplish stuff. Later on, when I came, I asked him, I'm like, so you know, what's that like? And his thing was like, you know what, working hard. Once you go through crap, then you know how strong you are. And he's he, actually he wasn't even just saying coming here as a student. He was saying back home, you know, they had to do military service, right? They ran in circles for two years for no reason. And once you hit his thing, actually, was you go through all that, you're never gonna get depressed or anxious in your life because you can eat whatever work the life throws at you. And yeah, you just try to shove that narrative down. I mean, you're telling your kids, you know, diamonds are formed <laughs> under pressure, right? You know, <laughs> like you know what? There's some truth to that. You know, like although we kind of say, you know, it's nice. Everyone, you know, should should look after themselves, and physician health is important. You know, I watched the Michael、yeah. Jordan documentary. That guy worked way harder than every other basketball player alive, right? He wanted to kick everybody's butt forever, and that's how he became the top, right? So, and then we live in a society where we kind of say, you know, you know what, you know, touchy feely. We want, you know, you don't have to be the top if it's going to kill you and stuff like that. Well, you're not going to get to the top, right? If you want to get to that level, you have to bring certain things to the game, and I can I can appreciate that. I kind of feel like, you know, sometimes there's a lot of suffering involved to get there. Yeah, it humbles you, like for sure. I mean, you know, like when when I feel like I've been、uh, coarse、mm -hmm. with my kids or, or others or Chinese or whatever, I tell a story. I don't know if you've heard that. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's a Chinese proverb, but but I read that. I don't know if this is true. That basically there there were these uh, uh, butterflies, right, trying to come out of the cocoon, being transformed from a caterpillar. So this this good、uh, child went by and started cutting. All the cocoons to help those butterflies get out,、mm -hmm. and they realized very quickly that when they did that, the butterflies would come out really quickly, but then they would just fall down because they realized they needed to have that pressure of the wings、right. against the cat,、right. you know, the cocoon that would strengthen <laughs> them so they could take flight. Right. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I,、right. I I kind of believe that to one to one to one extent. I think that brought to your knees it changes you a bit for sure. I mean. But、uh, I, I don't know. Like I don't know the right answer to that. Like if there's a better way that doesn't involve you kind of like holding a retractor for three hours, right? And like I, I, I don't know. Like I remember like even、uh, this was like Queen's uh, uh, professor, right? Like I don't I can't name them now, but like I remember so and so、uh, was a resident as an R two. I think we we're still clerks at that time, and they went into the room, Doctor So and So, like, hey, how can I help? How can I help? And the response was, the only way that you can help. Is if you turned around and walked out that door, <laughs> so it's pretty, it's pretty brutal, right? So it kind of doesn't. It's not.、Um, it's probably true. Like I mean, it's probably in that moment probably factually correct, but but obviously,、uh, um, probably don't want to be so coarse with others, right?、So. Yeah, I think that there is a lot of truth in in kind of hard work and kind of going through that hardship. And I also think that there's、uh, a healthy amount of like survivorship bias, right? And so. You know, for for those who made it, obviously, like the hard work kind of pays off, right? But then maybe for one person who's kind of made it and survived that hard work, maybe five people gave up along the way, right? Versus, let's say you had a different system, maybe three out of the six would have would have came through, right?、Um, and you know, you kind of look at our society now and kind of、uh, you know what it was before. Yeah, like there was a lot of childhood mortality, right? Like people didn't always make it, right? Out of like eight kids, maybe two makes it, right? But 
you know, it, it's like, but it's it's the people who make it that end up telling the story, right? And so, you know, there's always a part of me that kind of tries to balance, you know, the people who who talk about hard work, right? Like the Michael Jordan, he he gets to tell a story because he is Michael Jordan, right? But what about other people who could have played great basketball, or or should they have a place there, right? And when you think about medicine, at least when I think about it, like as a specialty, I think it should kind of reflect society to a certain extent. You know, how do we kind of take a look at and maybe spin this hierarchy thing into medical education, right? Um, I came into to the thought of like surgery, wanting to learn things that are relevant to, to family medicine, right? When do I need to give a referral to a surgeon? Um, you know, how do I take care of patients like kind of post-op, right? I feel like those were, were kind of my goals and, and expectations kind of go into my rotation. There wasn't that much of it, right? Most of it was like surgery. Um, and so, you know, like I, I think it's really great for me to learn more anatomy. I think knowledge is, is always great, right? But at the same time, like things that, that I learned might not be very applicable to my future career. If half of the all Canadian uh, medical students are going to be family doctors, right? Just by virtue of the seats that are available and, and what the population needs, right? You know, does our current surgical education meet the need of that population, right? Like we're not training everybody to be a subspecialist in surgery, right? But at the end of the day, like, are we putting resources where, where it's most needed? And, and what do you think about that? I hear you. I, I mean, the tricky piece is that it depends on what you um, define, I guess, as, as resources for that, right? I mean, you know, as a soldier in, in the army that I'm in, you know, if I had family medicine, medical students come through, it's difficult for me to find a way to maybe make their um, rotation high yield in that regard, just because, it, you know, I'm doing my job and I'm tough to kind of step out of that. The, the tricky piece with medical education is that it's changing, right? Like there's the um, pressures on, on subspecializations to kind, of, to kind of get the skills taught to their trainees in time. There's also pressures on healthcare, right? I mean, you know, this this thought of you trying to have an attending close an incision with a charge nurse coming in to ask about uh, whether or not the case was finished. I mean, that really resonated with me, right? Because in so much as I know my stats, I also know my times. And that when I book any procedure, valve, cabbage, those times are known. And that time uh, impacts how the hospital spends their funding for nurses, perfusionists. So there are financial implications for the delivery of care. So I, I, I don't have an, obviously I don't have an answer for that, right? Like, but I can understand the desire to get trained for what you will do. I see that, you know, taxpayers are paying for surgical services. You're, you're, you're ending up doing more with less. And then on top of that, now you have this ownership of trying to, to educate so I, I think that it's a, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. I, I, I get that you know cultural learning is low yield. Like I don't have an answer to that. Like you know how how you can reshape the curriculum right to make it higher yield. Like you know maybe uh, if there's clinics that people would be interested in attending where there's more consults, so then you can see what kinds of patients come through. Maybe have less uh, exposure within the OR. That's less relevant. I mean those are off the cuff some of the things that I would think about. Yeah, it's well said. I mean I think. Medicine is a very big world, right? There's so many fields within medicine. There's so many specialties, so many subspecialties. 
it's impossible for a trainee or even a resident in a two or a five-year period to really see all of it, right? So as family medicine people, we kind of have this idea that, you know what, I want to see a little bit of everything. So at least when I'm done, I'll have seen it. Well, it's impossible, right? And I, the system is not perfect, but does try to give you some slices of these different parts of medicine, you know, as flawed as it is. I think it's nice actually for us to be able to even just have a conversation about that as a starting point, right? Because a lot of times people are talking about, you know, how to make it better, how to not make it better. I think talking about it and talking about some of the stories of what it's like mm -hmm. going through it may help people understand what it's like. And that's important because when you're sitting there and you're 23 years old or 25 years old and thinking about these things, the fact that people out there have these conversations. I think this is very cathartic for me. I, I think I coming in and kind of doing this episode i was uh a little bit jaded kind of towards like surgery <laughs> he he was gonna he was gonna start whining like i read the notes i was like this episode could really be no I mean, there's there could be subclinical <laughs> depression like we all get to subclinical depression with this stuff right like uh, but i mean it's interesting to hear it on the like i can tell you like it's like you know like when you're uh, kids you know you're trying to learn about what you're going to do with your own kids like i think that when mm -hmm. you talk to trainees you learn what they're thinking right and you know obviously you know because it's, it's not wrong i'm not willfully not trying to think of others but your mind's on other things right so you don't always see mm -hmm. like what their what their needs are at that time right so um but but i think that we all kind of see the environment like you know, you know like you commented on this nurse that's like um the charge nurse who, who's trying to I'm, I'm i can just picture it now like she's sweating about paying overtime uh there's a budget mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I felt badly for that charging nurse. Like when you're telling me to go in the room three times to see when you're finished. Cause, uh, cause I've been there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's a tricky one. Right. Cause then you, you, you know, everyone has a boss. Right. So um, like, I just think that like, sometimes like there's just so many competing, mm -hmm. competing needs. Right. And, you know, obviously education can always be pushed. Right. Cause clinical care always trumps that. So, so then you feel like how you feel, like you feel like you're not relevant in that system also is crummy too. Right. So it's, it's a tough one, you know, as long as like people kind of, you know, understand each other a little bit, yeah. you know, and uh, give each other a little bit of license, a little bit of leeway, then I, then it's okay. But, but I, for sure, I mean, I, you, you can see it like some, some systems, people are just frustrated and burned out. I feel like after hearing it explained to me, I feel like these things make more sense. And, and, you know, when, when you kind of get a perspective on the other side, you, you can't help but feel more calm. And, you, you know, like, I feel like any misgrievings that I have, I, I think are, are totally dispelled here. And so maybe for kind of medical students kind of going into surgery and just trying to go through the surgical kind of rotation, right? Because even talking to my classmates, I, I, I think there are common themes with certain rotations and surgery has a reputation of kind of, you know, those long hours and, and kind of feeling like you're invisible. What are some kind of golden rules for kind of medical st students to follow because one attending kind of explained to me and, and he did it very nicely and I really appreciate it is uh don't speak until you're spoken to right <laughs> <laughs> too right like sometimes you know I go in the operating room sometimes people are chatting about their vacation and you know I kind of want to chime in and stuff like that and suddenly like everyone stops talking right <laughs> and and you know that's because there's a very crucial part of the yeah. surgery and they need to pay attention and then Maybe for a while, like nobody talks, right? And I'm there. I'm like standing. I'm about to fall asleep, right? So I kind of want to start some side conversations. But, you know, my attending told me, and I'm glad he told me, is like as the most junior person in the room, you should never start any side conversations. <laughs> so now I know, right? 
you know, these things, I, I feel like, you know, for some people, they, they, they pick it up very easily. They're like, yeah, dude, that's like common sense. Like I would admit that I am quite dense at these things. Like any other kind of rules or, or, or tips you'd give, give students when they're on their surgical rotation, like no matter how, you know, obvious that they might be. I'm not sure I'm the best advice for like how to guide others towards normal human conduct, but you know, the, you know, you know I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Cause there, there's so much of, of the surgical culture. Right. And, and it's always like this, right. There's a crucial point in the surgery, but everyone mm-hmm. knows it, but you just don't know it. I completely get that experience. I would say that, uh, but I, I think that in general terms, I think if, if there's an environment you don't know, like, like my approach is to try to gather data on that. Right. So, you know, the, the conversing piece, I think you should always feel like you can converse with others. I'm not trying to tell people to not converse, but, but I, I would always say to pay attention in a new environment. You know, it depends on what hospital you're at, what service you're on. There are a lot of um, different environments that, that you can encounter. I mean, the only thing I would say is, is, uh, is set clear expectations in general, right? Like, so if say, you know, you wanted to get X, Y, Z out of the rotation, then, you know, maybe after the first few days and you, you find some people that you might be able to have traction with or you can have a conversation with, you can try to see if there's a way that you can focus, focus the experience for you, right? Uh, and then always set uh, tangible goals. You know, the goals may not be so intense. It could be, I want to see this one procedure. I want to see this one part of this one procedure. It could be having that donut or making those three yeah. friends or whatever that objective is. But, 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 but I, I think that if you have those clear objectives uh, on any given day, uh, at least you can kind of um, uh, tick those off, right? You know? So then uh, at least if you, uh, you know, it forces you to kind of articulate to yourself your own expectation. Well said, well said. Amazing. I think I think we've covered everything that we wanted to cover on this episode. It's actually been a very fascinating conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I would like to thank Vince for coming on our show. And moreover, on behalf of all of us in family medicine, I would like to thank you and people like you for being out there doing your job. Because if it wasn't for you, they'd be asking me to do that kind of job. And there's no way I could survive that. Oh, listen, man, I tell you, I, like, I need a family dog. It's harder <laughs> to find a family dog. I tell you that. So thank you for doing your job, man. I tell you that much. But but listen, uh, Jason, Dave, this has been uh, awesome. So, uh, Dave, of course, it's always nice to have a fun chat, right? So, um, All right. Well, we'll hopefully see you again. Take care, man. Great. Right, have a good night, guys.